think in the process of voicing all of these things I was frustrated about, I was like, I can't escape any of this. Yeah. I can't. It was like the only way out of all of that is to go through it. You're blessed when you're at the end of your rope. With less of you, there is more of God and his rule. You're blessed when you feel you've lost what is most dear to you. Only then can you be embraced by the one most dear to you. Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame, because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Well, welcome to The Intentional Dad, the podcast for men and their families on a journey to embrace and fulfill the promise of fatherhood. We're in the studio today continuing our stories of apprenticeship, our revolution, uh, the invitation we extended at the beginning of the year to look at 2023 for the promise of transformation as opposed to transaction. And so we're continuing that today. I have with me in the studio. You just heard him. Uh, it's been a little been a little while, Ben, since you've been here with us. So uh, welcome back. Glad to glad to have you in the studio again and chance to chance to share a podcast with you. Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm looking forward to this. I'm I'm very excited for this conversation. Yeah. Well, we have you here today because you're going to be the one to share the story next, right? So. Uh, we started the year with my brother Tyler sharing a story, um, and the most recent podcast was your sister mm-hmm. sharing things that she has been experiencing and learning, um, a lot of big changes, her first steps into the adult life, and so she had quite a bit to share about that. And you are here because you're going to share a story as well, and there's a reason that we shared those verses at the beginning. Uh, The first one, um, it was from the message translation, and it is Matthew chapter 5. And it is uh, commonly known as the Beatitudes, and it's the start of Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, which a little background for that, by the way, if you have not seen The Chosen, uh, I highly encourage you to do that. It is a television series on the life of Jesus Christ. And um, and of course, the disciples who shared that life with him. Um, but one of the early seasons, I can't remember, I guess it was the first season um, where Jesus is preparing for his very famous Sermon on the Mount. And in some dialogue between him and Matthew, you can see the, the beautiful depiction of Jesus kind of working to prepare and asking Matthew to kind of write down his thoughts as he goes. And after some back and forth and a few days of working with this uh, and struggling with how Jesus wanted to start his sermon, they have an exchange where Jesus kind of settles in on what he feels like uh, is the right place to start. And it really caught my attention and just warmed my heart when he shared with Matthew what he wanted to say. And Matthew gave him a puzzled look and Jesus looked at him and he said, it's a map. Mm -hmm. It's where you're going to find me. I want people to know where they're going to find me. And if you look at the Beatitudes, the blessed are statements, uh, it is statement after statement of the reality of our experience in this world of brokenness, Mm -hmm. brokenheartedness and loss, right? 
And so then you fast forward to the one that you read, Ben, uh, Romans, mm-hmm. which um, at first blush, it is, it's just a shocking idea. It's just a shocking statement to rejoice in sufferings. Mm-hmm. It, you know, if we're going to be honest, <laughs> you read something like that, you're like, what? what are you talking about? This is nuts. This is crazy. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but we actually are going to dive into a story here in just a moment that um, you lived through this, this past summer. Um, and a lot of really incredible things came of that, but you were fathered in a very, very direct and deep way into this idea of rejoicing and suffering. Mm-hmm. And so you kind of combine that with what Jesus, his most important sermon, the best sermon, most important, important sermon ever given. And he sets out to give a roadmap for where to find him yeah. and its descriptions of suffering. Right. And then you have a story that kind of goes into a wrestling match over Romans right there. What Paul, yeah. what Paul wrote to the Romans. So that's what you're here for. That's what we're going to unpack and, and dig into um, because it's inevitable. <laughs> you're not going to live a life of apprenticeship without some fathering uh, in this arena of suffering. And you have so much to share with that. So we're going to get into the story here, but uh, first of all, it has been a little while since you've been in the studio. So maybe just a real quick catch up on, on where you are right now mm-hmm. in this season of life and the things you're on the cusp of. Yeah. Well, um, just finished one semester and today I started another semester of college. It's the final one. Uh, we have almost crossed the finish line and I'm really, really looking forward to uh, moving on to what's next. Yeah. So a few, a few more months of college, a new, new career in front of you, a new chapter, uh, things you've been looking forward to for a while. So mm-hmm. we are all sharing in the excitement of that for you. Of course, uh, mom and dad are, are happy to, uh, be on the cusp of having one through school. That's, uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's a milestone moment for, for us as well. So, uh, we're looking forward to that. Um, so yeah, that's, that's kind of where you are right now, but, uh, but, the reason you're here today is because we want to go back to what proved to be a really, really pivotal experience that, well, it started, it started late winter, really. I think all of the things that ultimately led to the the heart of the story you want to get into. Yeah. Um, why don't you just start, start unpacking it? What do you, what do you, uh, what yeah. do you remember? Well, so last winter I, tore both of my meniscus in my knees. And for those of you who don't know what that is, it's basically a, a pad of cartilage that is between your thigh bone and your shin bone. And it makes it so that the bones don't grind against each other when you bend your knee. Uh, it's very, very painful when that gets injured. You feel it pretty much every step you take. And so for a little bit of added context, this was the fifth and sixth time that I had uh, torn one of my meniscus in the last four years. I dealt with this recurring injury for a while. Yeah. And so this previous winter. Yeah. Um, that's when you really started having major difficulties, but it's, it's actually 
just kind of a continuation of injuries that started to happen to you in your junior year of high school. Yeah. And so uh, it actually has a much larger context. Yep. So the story you're going to tell about what resulted for you after this most recent setback actually was a good four years in the making. Yeah. For even five years in the making. And, um, that, that is important background because it's not just the disappointment of the injury again. Mm -hmm. It is the ongoing saga of never really healing yeah. From kind of the same injury. Yeah. For an extended period of time. Yeah. Yeah. And, and on top of that, what made this even more frustrating is I had no idea what I was doing to injure myself. You know, a, a lot of meniscus injuries from what I've heard is just a split second, like snap, you can feel mm-hmm. something pop. Mm-hmm. And that's not how it happened for me. Yeah. It just, you know, woke up over a series of days and my knees felt progressively worse. It's like, I don't know what I'm doing to cause this. Yeah. And so it just led to a very powerless, hopeless kind of feeling. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so it kind of came to a head and, you know, as a family, we just kind of decided it was time to go back to the, back to the medical world again, because it started to look an awful lot like, some surgery of some kind would be needed. Although that was, that was uh, not exactly an encouraging thought because when you have already had surgeries one and two and then three and four, Mm -hmm. and you think about doing five and six, all of us had the same thought going is what in the world is going to make this different. Yep. Right. So it was, it was, um, well, it was discouraging. Yeah. It was discouraging. We felt that. And, um, how much more you had to be feeling that mm-hmm. be the one with the body that was broken. Right. Yeah. So that was, um, that's just kind of things that started to unfold in the winter. And so, uh, the issue, the issue became enough that we knew we had to do something. Yeah. So, so we did went and found, uh, found the doctors that we needed to find yep. and, we weren't surprised <laughs> to to learn that more surgeries were in store, uh, but they didn't make it any easier for you. No, it was it was just this amazing process because I'd known for a while. I was like, I I know exactly what this feels like. This is deja vu all over again. I know that I have torn my meniscus. I've got this injury. I'm going to need surgery and all of that. But you know, to to be sure, doctors still needed to run there tests and their physicals and all like whatever, whatever else. And so we got x-rays. They didn't get anything from that. Got an MRI. They analyzed that. And then they sent the results to me and I have taken just enough anatomy classes to be dangerous. (laughs) And so I read the report and started, started picking apart what it was saying. And I was like, Oh my gosh, I, I remember this wave of, I was surprised because there was a wave of shock and despair that came with the diagnosis. Even though you kind of, you already knew. I already knew. I 100% knew that that was what they were going to find. Yeah. And I was still shocked by it. And it's just like. Just the, just the seeing something in black and white. Yeah. Yeah. That's like, here's the stamp of confirmation. And so along with that, all, all of these emotions and, and it just felt like my world was kind of crashing in around me. Um, 
I, I remember the people I was with at the time, like <laughs> those were the only people that I felt like existed in the world, basically that, you know, my, my options are so limited to interact with people and nobody. Yeah. So let's, I, let's camp there a minute yeah. because, because this is just, this is really important to the story you have to tell and, and what it is we want to share about how, how God fathered you mm-hmm. um, and, and to really understand what it was that he had for you and all of this, it kind of begins with just the humanity of the heartbreak, right. And the kinds of things that you're experiencing. So you, uh, you were not quite 21 when all of this was hitting. Yeah. So not, not quite 21, still, you know, 20 years old, young, young man. Yeah. You want to do things. Yeah. You want to, you want to run, you want to take advantage of some adventures, right? You're, yeah. you're, you're living, you're living life on a college campus. And these are things that are just adding weight upon weight upon weight and growing pretty heavy for your heart. Yeah. Right? So un, unpack some of that. What, what were, what were some of your experiences with that? Yeah. So one of the ways that I feel really close to God is through seeking out nature And that meant, okay, so that's off the table because anything past like sidewalk was too, too rough of a terrain for me. So that's isolation from that. And then obviously on a college campus, I had friends that I wanted to go see, right? But it's painful to go try and see them. So now they need to make their way to me and it just, you know, it complicates the process. So there's that isolation. and then. Two, it was in the winter, and I don't know if this is the case for everybody, but for me, winter just made my joints ache even more. So now I don't even want to go outside for any reason. So my yeah. my world got reduced to my bedroom and living room of my apartment. Got really small, yep. really fast. Yeah. I I remember hearing a lot, oh, college is the best four years of your life. You're going to love it. You'll, there's so much to do. You'll appreciate it. So now I'm sitting here in my room not doing anything because I don't want to do anything thinking I am wasting the best years of my life. They're just yeah. going down the toilet. Yeah. So there's this added level yeah. of. So the despair is just coming from everywhere. Mm-hmm. It's coming from mm-hmm. everywhere. Right. <laughs> and so when you. uh Look back on your experience in that season of despair. Mm-hmm. If someone had brought you Romans five at oh. that point, you would have. Oh well, I, I've I have thought about this many times, and I I pretty strongly think that Romans five three through five are, are the toughest verses for me to comprehend. Yeah, it's like what were you rejoicing? I've, Absolutely not. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely not. No No way. way. No way. Um, And it's, I don't know. Like I, I know I've looked at that in the past and been like, so I'm supposed to be like a glutton for punishment. This doesn't just doesn't make sense. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, there's, there's this way that Jesus says it too. Blessed are those who mourn for they shall be comforted. Right. He says it yeah. that way. That's so it's a different translation. It's the, that's yeah. the ESV. Right. But, uh, you know, he he had multiple ways of kind of saying the same thing. Right. And <laughs> there's definitely a process to go through 
to learn how that makes sense yeah. in light of our experiences, because here you are. And of course you're feeling despair. Yeah. Of course you're feeling discouragement. Yes. Who wouldn't be? Because there's just so much loss and heartbreak that there you're is. experiencing and the despair of a long by then, yeah, we're talking five years yeah. of just never really getting out from under this cloud of injury. Yeah. Right. And so yeah. it's just, it's just built to this point where it's easy to start to wonder if you'll ever yeah. be well. Yeah. Right. So it's not a good place. No. You're not in a good place. No. Okay. So where did it go from there? Uh, after. A lot of gnashing of teeth. Um, eventually, I got to a point where I was just like, okay, I I just need you to be right here, God, so that I can voice my frustration. Yeah. So I, uh, we, we, that's something we really don't want to rush past right there. The mm. whole getting angry with God thing. Yeah. What I, what I love about what you're describing is a recognition of God's heart, how he works, um, what his true heart is toward us, and namely what matters to him the most. Mm -hmm. And for so many people, I, I include myself, this is, this is part, of, part of my journey and something that uh, I need to check myself on on a regular basis is this perception that creeps in that what God is most concerned about is whether or not our behavior is right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And while he certainly does have a lot to say about our behavior and the not so good things that we do or don't do, he does have a lot to say about that. Uh, for many, it is a surprise to sit with the idea that that is not the most important thing to him. No. What he cares about the most always has and always will is about union, intimacy, oneness with his sons and daughters. Yeah. And so this issue that you're talking about of, of expressing anger toward God actually goes right to the heart of that. Because if we carry a misperception of God about him being concerned about our behaviors, then the whole idea of us expressing anger toward him, well, that's a non-starter. Mm -hmm. <laughs> we, we can't do that, right? That's, mm -hmm. that's out of bounds. And so what we end up doing is giving into that perception and the casualty is intimacy. Because mm -hmm. mm -hmm. I think what, if you, if you refuse to allow yourself to be angry or if you think that God is dismayed by your anger what that says is you believe that your suffering is a punishment from him right and that he's sitting in the corner like well you deserve this i had to do this to you right take it and you know right it no complaining yeah and it, it certainly doesn't leave the leave room for the concept of an invitation exactly within it which this is kind of where we're going with this. Yes. Right. And this is where that verse, what Paul wrote to the Romans about rejoicing and suffering, this is where it begins to turn and starts to make sense. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. But it, it very often starts with 
a reshaping of our understanding about what God has room for. Yeah. <laughs> and at the top of the list is anger. Yeah. Okay. So let's, let's just unpack it a little bit more. Okay. Yeah. What are you experiencing in this despair? You're, you're experiencing hopelessness. You are experiencing isolation. Yeah. Right. You're experiencing loneliness and you know, that God, one of the things that was within his purview is to sweep this all away, right? Yeah. And he's not. Yeah. Okay. So, of course, in your experience, in that moment, you're left to wonder, where are you? What are you Mm -hmm. doing? What is the deal with this going on for five years? And what is the deal with this kind of thing lingering at 20 years old? Yeah. Where are you? Yeah. Right? Right. So you, you have a choice at that point. Yeah. You can either stuff all that down because you're too ashamed to bring that to God. Or you can trust his heart for you and his invitation to intimacy that says, bring all of that as it is. Yeah. And that's what you chose to do. And that's what started this remarkable journey, right? Yeah. So uh, I didn't want to rush past that because that is that is actually something worth camping on Mm -hmm. as an understanding for how the rest of this unfolded. And it was, it started with an understanding of God's true heart that you trusted and you had, you had the kind of faith that's that, that allowed you to carry things as they were to him in full exposure and honesty. Right. Yeah. So you were angry and you told him. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. Probably if I remember right, you told him for an extended period. Oh yeah. It was, it was quite a while. I don't remember the exact period of time, but it was definitely, um, at least a couple of weeks. And so I would go on a walk, which was, was hard, still very painful. Yeah. And every time I took a limp, I was like, gosh, dang it. You know, I'm not even in the prime of my life yet year wise. And it feels like the best physically is behind me. And I have all of these things I want to do. And why are you taking this away from me? And just all, all of these things. And so eventually got to this place where I think in the process of voicing all of these things, I was frustrated about. I was like, I can't escape any of this. Yeah, I can't. He was like the only way out of all of that is to go through it. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So there's, there's another one just to, just to make sure we sit with a little bit because all of this honesty Mm -hmm. that you're exercising with him, your experience in that is a father allowing you to do that. Yeah. Making space Mm -hmm. for you to feel what you feel and express it all openly and honestly to him. Until the right moment came for him to start to speak into it. Yeah. It was very tender. It was. And it was very exquisitely timed. Mm -hmm. Okay. Because I think what you were experiencing in the freedom to voice what was on your heart was space was being created. Yes. Right. Yeah. Right. And so he didn't do it too soon. Right. This, this carried on for some time because you, you had years and years of built up frustration Mm -hmm. that just finally started coming out. 
mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And I think in your in your previous experiences, uh, you know, of course, the buildup wasn't quite the same. Um, I think you were not unfamiliar with the idea of sharing that kind of intimacy with him. But in this occasion, the storm had kind of reached a point where there were pretty deep wells of yeah. really strong emotion mm-hmm. and it needed some runway. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And so you did it. You, you, you took that time and looking back and me observing you in that time, the, the, the pent up frustration found a release. Mm-hmm. which then made space for you to hear, say it again. He said, the only way out is through. At the right time, your heavenly father had something for you. Mm-hmm. It was an invitation and a, a, a profound moment of clarity for yeah. you. And as you began to wrestle with what he had to speak into the storm, what did you begin to understand that that meant? What I saw is a, we've we've talked about this in the past, but it's it is true that in order for something to be remade and restored, it has to be undone and broken. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're restoring a house, you have to take out what is old and replace it yeah. with something new. Yeah. And what I was seeing in that statement, the only way out is through, is that mm-hmm. there has to be and undoing and what I was looking at, what was in my near future was a lot of undoing, a lot of undoing. Yes. And that's, that was daunting. Yeah. I was nervous about that, but his invitation was to step into it and embrace it fully so that restoration could take place. In other words, to do the thing that, our instincts tell us to not do. Mm-hmm. Our instincts tell us run from the pain, minimize it, overcome it as quickly as possible, do everything you can to numb it, mm-hmm. um, maybe even ignore it, mm-hmm. um, put things off. It just our, our capacity for uh, turning the other way from pain and suffering yeah. is. It's pretty deep. It's impressive. <laughs> it's very impressive. And and what I remember, I was just looking through uh, some notes and journal entries that I had at the time. What I did, or what I what my instinct was, was to really turn God into a vending machine and basically say, mm-hmm. okay, mm-hmm. so if I have to go through this, here's the game plan. Mm-hmm. We're gonna get the surgeries, blitz through physical therapy as quick as possible really, really push my body past its limitations Mm -hmm. so that I can move on with my life. Basically, if I can put it in another set of words, it is the idea that, well, what God wants me to do is grow. And so if I grow, he will then take away my pain faster. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that is not how that works. That's flawed thinking. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a cousin of what we were talking about before, yeah. right? That, that behavior is what he's most concerned about, yes. right? So for many, that means he's always watching for when we mess up yeah. or bad behavior, yeah. right? You know, for you, it was, it, it kind of, 
a little little subtle shift, a cousin of it. It's like, but if I get it right, uh huh, then he'll leave me alone. Yeah. <laughs> well, and, and ultimately, the the reasoning behind that, the logic, if you take it further back, is this is my fault. Mm-hmm. I did something wrong to, you know, set these problems upon mm-hmm. myself. Mm-hmm. So it's my fault. I'm being punished for that. But if I make it right, then it will go away. Yeah. And it's just not how he works. No. And so for you in the middle of all of this, whether you recovered quickly or not, wasn't the point. Yeah. It was always, we're going to do this together. Yes. Together. Yeah. I want you. Yeah. Yeah. And that was, that was freeing to know I'm not, I'm not being thrown to the wolves here and being asked to just fend for myself. Right. This is. This is something that I am really being challenged to not go alone. Yeah. Because what you're being drawn into is ways that were um, far more rooted in your daily existence, in your daily experience, to start to want the same thing he wanted. Mm -hmm. And then not just to awaken to that shared desire, Mm -hmm. but then within the circumstances that were there on a daily basis, begin to experience that. Yeah. And live into it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And so there was not this major upheaval and change of your circumstances. What unfolded was many, many months of very slow tedious journeying. Yeah. Right. Well, and I, I want to pause there for a moment because through all the conversations with the doctors, the first procedure we thought was just going to be exploratory. We right. There was, they said that there was a very high chance that all they would do was go in, see what they were working with. And then we'd have to go through and have more extensive procedures later in the summer. Yeah. I remember I had forgotten that for for a moment, but yeah. Yeah. I went to sleep Mm -hmm. on the morning of May 9th. Yep. Woke up with two full leg braces from hip (laughs) to ankle. (laughs) That's right. On both of my knees. And I was very, very out of it because of the general anesthetic and the Mm -hmm. Mm painkillers. All I remember was waking up and thinking, what have you done to me? I was shocked yeah i was very so just just to be clear right you you went in thinking they were basically going to do a scope so that we could then step back and have a bigger game plan yeah for what really needed to happen to to make repairs that would help you heal yeah (laughs) surgeon got in there and lo and behold both knees he found what he did not expect that there was something repairable. Yeah. Okay. On the one hand, yay, good news, right? (laughs) Yeah. All right. But you went in thinking, okay, we're going to get the next piece. And then I have a little more time to just kind of take those next steps and get ready for what's next and whatever that might mean. Right. So instead you wake up and it's like, guess what? You don't have either of your legs available to you for the next three months. Yeah. Yeah. Quite literally because, and that going in, I thought, okay, Worst case scenario, might have one leg brace that I've got to right. deal with for like a month. Yeah. You know, maybe best case, I'm I'm really able to walk by the end of the week. Because, right. you know, 
with the first four surgeries, that's how it went. Right. I, I was literally walking. One of the instances I was walking by the end of the day. Right. I was like, this is not going to be that big of a deal. Right. Went in just fine. I woke up. I was like, oh, oh, okay. Yeah. So I'm going to have to be in a wheelchair for the next six weeks. Mm-hmm. And I'm probably not going to be walking on my own power until late <laughs> July, early August. Yep. Boom. It It is yep. right in my face now. I, yeah. I can't avoid that. And so you start this intimate journey with God <laughs> and things get worse. Yeah. <laughs> things got worse. Yeah. All right. So it's a good thing this intimate journey began. Exactly. Right. Okay. So no doubt there were some moments presented there where yeah. you stepped into that uh, good heart that he offered you and it, you had some frustration and anger Yeah, again. Yeah. Right? Well, I, I woke up immediately. There's the, there's the invitation again. He says, well, the only way out is through. Yeah. There's, so there's, now, now you really started to understand what that meant. Uh-huh. There's yeah. only one way to go here. Yeah. And uh, getting home was a bear. Getting inside the house once we got home was a bear. Oh, just like just all of these things. And and the only way out is through just kept going on repeat right. for those first couple of days. Yeah. Like there's there's one way to deal with it. Um, on top of that, the painkiller pills that they gave me gave me splitting headaches and made the pain worse. <laughs> so now I have no kind of reprieve yeah. whatsoever. Yeah. I just need to sit in See, this, li- like literally, yeah. you have to sit in pain. I couldn't even, no, I couldn't even sit up for the first couple uh, days. You're not even sitting. You can't even do that. You're yeah. laying in pain. I have to lay in yeah. pain yeah. with no reprieve. Yeah. And I am the only person that can deal with it. No one, no one was going to be able to make that any right. easier. Right. Yeah. Aside from, you know, getting a glass so, of water uh, and kinda, food for me. Kind of coming back to what you were saying, there is a whole lot of undoing going on yep. years in the making really, but it's, it's kind of, it's hitting the depths now. Yeah. Yeah. And so by the way, <laughs> I'm living all of this with you. Yes. Because, uh, you moved home. Yeah. Um, so between your junior, senior year, you packed up the apartment you'd been living in mm-hmm. and moved home because of this. Yes. So you're home and, uh, we are living this together. Mm-hmm. Obviously you're the one, you're the one going through the undoing here. Yeah. Um, but I'm watching it. Yep. And it was, it was weighty. It was weighty. Yeah. It was a very, very challenging time for, for you and for both of us together. There was nothing glamorous about this at all. I mean, we are talking a very, very raw time. Yeah. Of, of, uh, life experience here. Yeah. 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 So what then unfolded over the subsequent days, weeks, and months? Looking back, one of the best set of months that I've ever been through. Yeah. And this is, this is where it gets fascinating. Yes. Right. Yes. To this point, (laughs) what you just said is probably the last thing that on the surface you would expect. To hear. Yeah. Yeah. Say, say it again. It so. was, 
I I look back from where I'm from where I'm at now. And that is that is probably the best set of three, four months that I've had in a very long time, perhaps in my whole life for my own spiritual well-being. Um, and if I, if I could go back and tell myself day one, Hey, you're going to love this. I'd be like, yeah, you know, see you later. Mm -hmm. I am not happy with you right now. Um, but that's, that's really the reality. It, it took two days for the restoration to start for me. Right, right. As soon as we got home, there were, there were a number of things that I needed to uh, start in order to get my recovery rolling. Uh, and one of those was calling a physical therapist so that I could schedule just an initial visit. And I got home and I was like, okay, I need to take a nap because I'm exhausted. I'll call the therapist after the nap. And I woke up and I was like, I cannot do this right now there is no way i was like eh, i'll do it in the morning woke up the next morning i was like okay today's the day i'm going to do it i am going to call the physical therapist this is, this is like you need to make a phone call i have to make one at max five minute phone call to get my recovery started and on the little you know uh a packet that mm-hmm. they sent home with us they were like mm-hmm. you have to make a call within the first 48 hours so that you can get a appointment by the end of the week. Yeah. It's like, okay, we've got time. This is great. (laughs) All right. Plenty of time. I still have 24 hours to go. Mm -hmm. It'll get done today. Mm -hmm. And as the day went along, time kept ticking away and that phone call was still looming over my head and I, I just could not get to it. Yeah. I couldn't do it. And I remember going to bed that night, like, what is wrong with me? This is essential for my recovery Mm -hmm. and I want to get well. Why can I not muster up the strength to make this phone call? Mm -hmm. This is ridiculous. And so at this point, the, I think the 48 hours was up. I'm like, I'm terribly behind. I'm not going to be able to, uh, get a visit scheduled for a while. Everywhere is going to be busy. Um, my recovery is shot now. And as I was drifting off to sleep that night, God says, well, you're not enough to do this on your own. You, you're, you're not capable. When you are not enough, can you allow me to be enough for you? Mm-hmm. Dozed off to sleep and I was like, huh, okay. I like that. <laughs> and I woke up in the morning. I was like, all right, fist, you know, hand in a fist, like pounding the table. I'm going to get this call done today. Mm-hmm. I'm going to do it. And after waking up from like 10 hours of sleep, I said, you know what? I'm exhausted. Let me take another nap. <laughs> woke up from a two hour nap and there was God. And he was saying, can you allow me to be enough for you? Mm-hmm. It's like, fine. Okay. Sounds good. Made the phone call. Mm-hmm. It was so painfully easy. I just said, Hey, 
I had a surgery. I need a PT appointment. The lady on the phone was like, awesome. Okay. We have availability tomorrow. What time works for you? And then she was able to schedule me for the next eight weeks. Mm -hmm. And all I had to do was say yes or no to times. It was so simple. It was great. Which, what else were you going to do anyway? Exactly. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I then promptly took another two hour nap after that. Yeah. But you, but you did it. But yes. And that's the point is it was, it was about as straightforward and simple and smooth as it could have been. Yeah. 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 And it was, it was definitely exhausting. I did not have the mental capacity to do anything more than that. But the point is it was so exhausting. I was not going to be able to do that on my own. Yeah. I was required to hand it over to God. Right. And allow him to take care of it. And that was the dawn of going through suffering in a new way. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. So to this point, you were no stranger to pain and suffering. No. To this point, you were no stranger to the invitation for intimacy. Yep. You, you were you were not unfamiliar with the importance of being honest with God about what you're thinking and feeling. Yeah. Right. But the undoing had reached to depths that you were ready to begin receiving something in the middle of the pain that your experiences before just had not opened up yet. I was, I was never going to be able to before. Yeah. Yeah. And these are the things that you're looking back on here on the other side of all of that. Mm -hmm. That right there is an example of why you say I'd never trade it for the world. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Because that kind of intimate trusting with Abba mm-hmm. was something new that, that your experiences made space for. Yeah. That you in your story were ready to receive. Yeah. And it was because of the undoing of the suffering that the soil was ready. Yeah. Yeah. Super cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and, and it, this is, this is just such a, it is inescapable for the vast majority of people that the times of our deepest suffering are the times of our greatest growth. Yeah. Yeah. And that's a quote that uh, a mutual friend of ours expressed once. And I, it's stuck with me ever since he said it, but it is, there is no growth. There is no growth in comfort and there is no comfort in growth. Right. Right. There's no growth and comfort, no comfort and growth. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And it, you know, you got to sit with that a minute, yep. you know, make sure you're, you're doing all the calculations, but uh, <laughs> you know, if you really sit with that truth, it checks so out. Yeah. It checks out. It really does. And, and that is, that is our experiences. Now you, you balance that with the reality of, and even knowing that none of us are eager to run back into something, <laughs> right? No, we don't, we don't go looking for it. We no. don't go wishing it on ourselves. Um, you know, in fact, in the Lord's prayer, the way Jesus taught us to, taught us to pray, he says, lead us away from that. Right. We, we ask him, we ask him to minimize that. Yeah. Right. And (laughs) 
an honest assessment of our lives of apprenticeship would reveal how many times that it's likely he did. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, That being said, he has so much for us within suffering. Mm -hmm. If we can first and foremost, take his invitation to look at it differently. Mm -hmm. Right. And there is, there is nothing simple about that. It's a simple idea. Yeah. But the actual practice of growing, of transformation that allows us to receive and see suffering differently to the point where we can look at what Paul says about rejoicing and suffering and begin to understand that mm-hmm. and to see it that way. And to move toward it that way, um, that is transformation. Yeah, that is apprenticeship, and it's so important for us as sons and daughters to recognize the map to find God. So often <laughs> is a map right into the center of the things that we fear the most yeah, right into the center of the undoing that understandably terrifies us. Yeah. Right. What we, what we have to offer to one another as an encouragement and sharing our stories is it very often is a very powerful way to illuminate how we might be being fathered. Yeah. You know? And so you know, this whole idea of a revolution and trading the transactional mindset for a transformational one is, is kind of getting away from that vending machine God kind of thing and coming back to his heart, which at the, at the core of all of this is his heart. Yeah. And what he wants as the starting point is for us to want the same thing he does. Yeah. Right. He's, he's there. He's, I want you come to me, bring it all, bring all the ugly. Right. If, if our intimacy, if, if oneness for us begins with you letting me have it, then let me have it. Yeah. (laughs) Because what I care about is that that we're together. Yeah. So if, if that's where we're going to start, then that's where we're going to start. And that's okay. Yeah. Let's start there. Yeah. Just know it's not just about letting me have it. It's about everything else that comes with it too. Because mm-hmm. I have some things to say into that. Mm-hmm. Beautiful things, right? And that's what you began to experience with all of that. So what a cool story. Um, and kind of bridging that gap, right? I mean, many, many listening uh, come with the question of, okay, well, what's this mean for my kids too, Right. <laughs> And this kind of comes back to, to something that Tyler shared in his story, right? And, and the invitation he experienced in that story with Jacob in the day of the toe, right? <laughs> <laughs> and all of that. And how there was, there was just a fundamental shift that he was invited to begin to receive and adopt when it came to the reality of suffering and the life of his child. Right. And what what Tyler recognized in that was that it was not his burden to carry to keep his boy from all pain and suffering. Yeah. And and 
you know, we explored that a little bit. It's just running that out to its full consequence that if as parents, we even had the capacity to do that and could, how much it would cripple our kids. So we experience the truth of this as parents at some point when, yes, there is a heart that we carry for protecting our kids and keeping Mm -hmm. them from harm. We should, yeah. Right. There's, there is, there is, of course, uh, <laughs> a big responsibility we have for that. Uh, coupled with the wisdom of just how important it is for them to experience things that don't go well, for them to experience pain and suffering. And this was, you know, our first podcast. This was the undoing that we were experiencing together in your senior year of high school. Yeah. Right. And so this theme of suffering is just right, right down the center of these issues and right down the center of what it is to be an apprentice. Yeah. And, and to, to seek out, to recognize, seek out and live into God's invitations. Yeah. It's that roadmap that, uh, that the, the writers of the chosen. So, beautifully wove into the story of how Jesus was thinking it is. And when you look at the Beatitudes and see the backdrop as a roadmap, boy, does it check out. It does. It does check out. Yeah. Uh, the rest of the story, by the way, you are for the most part through your recovery and beginning to do things again, golfing, you started golfing again, Yes. right? You, go on walks mm-hmm. every now and then come mm-hmm. spring. Uh, I think you have, you have some things in mind to make up for lost time. Yes. Yes. <laughs> so, so that's the good news. You're, you're not all the way through your recovery. It's still, still an ongoing process. Um, but you no longer fear walking to class. Yes. That's for sure. Yep. And the things that you have been unable to do for so long are available again, but there's something else that emerged, began to emerge in that season. So there were a lot of things you could not do. Yeah. One thing you could do was right. Mm -hmm. And so this was a really, really neat thing to see begin to bloom out of the ashes. Yeah. And it was something that we, we kind of shared, uh, in a, in a really cool way. So, uh, in this season, I was kind of in the home stretch of writing my book. Yep. In this season, I invited you to write the foreword. Yep. For the book. And that kind of started to spark a new interest for you. Yeah. Which was really fascinating because in high school, writing was the last thing you wanted to do in anything. <laughs> you, just, was, you just did not like it. I, no, I did not. I, <laughs> I didn't understand it. I had a very hard time producing uh, any writing piece that yeah. flowed well. And my teachers noticed, Yeah, um, <laughs> <laughs> I just didn't, I did not appreciate the art form that is writing. You didn't. But what is fascinating is here in this undoing, it started to create space for something entirely unexpected. Yeah. Right. And so you wrote the foreword and then, that kind of gave rise to some new desires for writing more. Mm -hmm. And you were in a season where that writing became an important 
aspect to how you were living an intimate day-to-day existence with God. Yeah. Yeah. And some inspiration came, Mm -hmm. right? There was, uh, there was some other things that you had read from other young men. Yep. And those things kind of all came together in this season where there was nothing else you were going to be doing anyway. Yeah. (laughs) So, so a whole new thing was put in front of you and you began to explore and you began to write. And uh, of course, you took the opportunity to write about this experience yep. and this story. Yep. And this is where it gets really cool is you wrote this article and tell what happened. Um, yeah. Well, so one of my favorite disciplines to connect with God has been for quite some time journaling. And I had a lot of journal entries in in part of my processing of the situation with my knees. And so I really wish I could remember what specifically inspired me to put, put all of my thoughts down in kind of an article format, but I did. And not surprisingly, the, the title was the only way out is through. Um, and there's a fantastic magazine that I highly recommend, uh, called Ann Sons magazine. And I have, I've read their, uh, read their articles in their magazines for, uh, quite a while now. And I said, you know, I, I wonder if they would be willing to take an article submission. Cause I think what I have to say fits with their message. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so I reached out and just figured I'd take a blind shot and say, are you guys interested in, in accepting an article submission? Yeah. Um, they responded and said, absolutely send it our way. We'll read it and get back to you in a couple of weeks. And, um, they were, they were in the middle of the, they were in the process of releasing one of their volumes. And Mm -hmm. so, you know, kind of got swamped and, um, time just continued to pass and they, they didn't respond. And so I figured, eh, you know, might've gotten lost in their email. That's, that's fine. It was a long shot anyway, right. but it's right. a victory that they even responded to begin with. Right. Um, and so, um, didn't hear any, anything from them for five months, six months, somewhere around there. Yeah. And then out of nowhere, out of the blue, I get an email and they say, Hey, our copy editor has taken a look at your article and he has a few questions that he's hoping you can answer so that we can really polish this thing up. Yeah. And it is now in their most current, their most recent yeah. uh, issue. So volume nine. Yeah. So a little background, cause it, it is possible. <laughs> there are some listeners out there who aren't familiar with the, with the Eldridge name. Yes. Um, so just a little, little background, the, the Eldridge family, um, the, the most well-known name in that family would be John Eldridge. Yep. And he is a ministry called wild at heart. It used to be called ransomed heart, prolific author, uh, and a very, very influential thinker, uh, and his sons now adults, mm-hmm. um, uh, several years ago set out to create their own platform 
called and sons, which includes a few things, podcasting and, and the like, but, uh, their, their biggest offering is, uh, biannual, yep. biannual, uh, magazine pub- publication, right. And it's stories of young men and their experiences of what it is to live through initiation journeys with God, mm-hmm. really. Um, and there's all kinds of things that they offer uh, in, in their magazines about that. But yeah. um, that all kind of came together for you, right? So you're, you're kind of laid up on the couch. You're reading more. Yep. You're writing more. Um, so, you, I mean, you've done the journaling, but, you know, the, the, the full-fledged writing had not taken root yet. Right? Not yet. So, so you are sorting things out uh, with God on a daily basis. And one of the things that you are doing is you're, you're capturing your days in, in a journal. Yeah. Somewhere in there, the uh, pieces of inspiration all came together. And you I'm, I'm going to try my, I'm going to see what this, what this would look like as an article. Yeah. And, and you did it and you got done. It's like, okay, I got something here. I, this is, this is pretty cool. And then, you know, the next bit of inspiration came and no wonder. Yeah. <laughs> so here's, what's really remarkable about that. Okay. The rest of the story with the Eldridges is there, they, they are known around the world. Yeah. That family. And so with, uh, John Eldridge and his influence that has grown over decades of ministry, uh, his sons stepped into creating their platform and have access to millions of people. Mm-hmm. <laughs> You're out of the ashes of you sitting on the couch with two legs you can't lift. <laughs> <laughs> Comes an article that uh, two months ago now you yeah. learned was going to be in this magazine yeah, and is now published. And your story literally has been delivered to millions of people. Yeah. What? <laughs> <laughs> it's just beautiful, right? It's, yeah. it's not something that you, you um, planned. It just very organically grew out of what you were experiencing, ways that you were processing, things that you were being invited into, yeah. and new things that you were beginning to explore. Yeah. And one thing led to another and now all of a sudden you're published in yeah. this in this really widely distributed magazine. Yeah. And what an well, amazing thing. And I'll I'll pause for a moment because when I originally reached out, the goal was not can I get accepted to buy the magazine? Right. It was a recognition that the Ansons mm-hmm. platform has a fairly wide-reaching audience. Yeah. And I know that what I received was incredibly valuable and incredibly mm-hmm. um, freeing mm-hmm. for me. And if I could offer that, right. I, I really wanted to do that. Yeah. And so I, I wanted to hand it to them so that this could hopefully affect other people yeah. in a positive way. It's light. the same, same heart, same heart for sharing your story here. Yeah. Right? And it's the same heart for our thoughts on starting the new year by sharing stories. It is a great picture of the kingdom, mm-hmm. right? And how out of, out of this suffering, out of this really, really difficult stretch that you went through 
that on the other side of that would be not just the things that he had in it for you, but that your story could then be offered because he has gifts that he wants to offer his sons and daughters everywhere. Yeah. Right. And this idea of reframing our perception of suffering and beginning to see it as something to embrace, something to move toward, something to receive for the goodness within it. Mm -hmm. It is upside down for all of us, right? And even for those of us who have experienced this kind of thing many, many times, there's nothing automatic about it. (laughs) There's, there's still just kind of a raw gut check Mm -hmm. to take the steps into the pain. Um, but it's worth it. It is. It's worth it. It is. Suffering will never cease to send me running for the exits. I, I will, that's your instinct. It is. Yeah. I think it yeah. will, that'll always be my knee jerk reaction. Right. And what I recognized through this summer, what what sunk in at a deeper level was that there is a choice yeah. in that. And if I can get to the place where I embrace suffering yep. as an old friend. Right there is good in it. Like there the, is. like yeah. the beatitudes, the, right. the map that yeah. it, it is within that suffering that invites the presence of God next to me. Right. Right. And that makes it, that makes it possible to, um, look at suffering and rejoice Look right. at suffering with hope, with hope because yeah. God is right there. Yeah. And so to kind of put a bow on what, what we understand after our own experiences with this about what Paul is saying. Mm -hmm. It is not saying rejoice in suffering and just pretend everything's okay because we're somehow magical creatures that suddenly receive suffering in an entirely different way. That is not what he's saying. Yeah, no, (laughs) no, it is. It's the both and the rawness of our experience and the open invitation for intimacy in the middle of that, that goes straight to God's heart for us. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And the rejoicing is not about the difficult circumstances. The rejoicing is what those circumstances make available to us. Yeah. Yes. Right. Yeah. And I think that's, that is wisdom there that they're, you're two seemingly opposite things. Mm -hmm. Suffering is not something that we want to seek out. Yeah. And when it is inevitable that we need to face it, there is good in that and we can, we can accept it. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. So you, you, uh, took that step, you wrote that article. Um, and that was the dawn of something that has 
really begun to open up for you. You have done a fair amount more of, of the writing thing. Yeah. Right. And so you are beginning to see and sense uh, just more coming from that. I don't think that you necessarily know what the more is right now, but you, at a minimum, it's safe to say you've certainly been writing mm-hmm. a lot more. Yeah. And so this actually turned out to be the first article you would write. And this kind of thing has been an ongoing uh, journey adventure that you've been, you've been taking with Jesus ever since. And so you have many, many more. Yeah. Right. And you have even thought of a name for uh, kind of a heading for the heart of these articles. Yep. Called. Uh, yes. Oh man. I'm excited about this. Okay. Um, yes. So the title is beloved. Yeah. Title of what? I don't think, you know, just yet. I I don't know a hundred percent. I have, I have an inclination. I have some ideas, but it's, it's a heading for just what it is you are beginning to capture in these things you write. Yes. So beloved. So unpack that a little bit. So yes, the title is beloved and I, I am a fan of wordplay. Yeah. I really like double meanings and, you know, breaking words up. Um, and so conveniently beloved can also be separated into be loved. Yeah. And that is, that is really the heart of, I think of a lot of what I want to offer and a lot of the ways that I have grown yeah. over my life is a recognition of identity our truest identity as the beloved children mm-hmm. of God. Mm-hmm. And in order to do that, you need to receive a truth that you are loved. Right. And that you belong and that you have yes. nothing to prove. Right. That's belovedness. Yes. We call that. Yep. Mm-hmm. And so you need to be and just accept and embrace that yeah. reality. Yeah. That it's not something you do. It's not something you earn. It's mm-hmm. not because of something you have or what others or say something about that you. you have achieved. Yeah. Yeah. So the double meaning beloved and be loved. Mm-hmm. So these are, these are ideas that are kind of at the core of these things that you've begun to write and that you're capturing in your life of apprenticeship. Right. Yep. Yeah. So, uh, you know, like, like I said, there are, there are things that are, emerging from that um things that need more time to to unfold and mm-hmm. and they will uh however in the meantime um one of the things that we we are going to do is the the website the intentionaldad.org um there's there's content available there for for people to access uh and one of the things that is offered is articles yep vast majority of those are from you and your sister. Yep. Um, and so to this point, we've just kind of got a content page on there and it has articles and podcasts are the, the, the two primary forms of content that we have to offer right now. Uh, so what we're going to do is rename the content portion of articles beloved. Mm-hmm. And that primarily is going to be, 
there for for you to offer these things that you have to share. Yep. Um, and you know, your sister has a little bit as well. And so she's going to put a few things there uh, as well as time goes on. But uh, we wanted to give you a corner yeah. <laughs> of the website that is primarily yours. And uh, it won't be just you, no. right? I mean, I'll, I'll probably contribute a thing or two along the way as we go. But uh, for the most part, it is a platform to give an outlet for these things that you've kind of been doing one-on-one intimately with, with God, uh, things that I think you're ready to share. Yeah. Right. And so you're going to start doing that Yeah, and that'll, that'll be there for a while and, uh, you can begin to offer. Yeah. And in the meantime, give more space for these things that you're beginning to think about in the future to, to germinate right? yep. <laughs> and let that, let that breathe a little bit and see what might be next, uh, as kind of a, kind of a, where these articles fit into a bigger picture yeah. of something. So look for beloved on the website and know that that is kind of where we're going to house the articles that Ben has to share, mm-hmm. uh, that Ellie has to share. Uh, things that maybe I'll write and, and there'll be some other guest writers too. But, yeah. uh, but um, in particular months now of journeying with God has resulted in six or seven articles. Yeah. There's somewhere like around that. there. Yeah. So those, those will, those will go up uh, in, in that corner. And as time goes on, I have no doubt there will be more Yep, that, that you have to have to offer. Yep. So and that'll, uh, that'll be at theintentionaldad.org. Theintentionaldad.org. Yep. You can check that out. And uh, those, those articles, that is, that is one, uh, uh, one bit of content available for, for paid members. Your paid membership helps to support The Intentional Dad and our ongoing efforts to, to keep providing content like these podcasts and those articles and, and other things that we very much want to want to be able to do going forward to just continue offering things to you for your journey of apprenticeship, offering things to you for your journey of fatherhood, for parenthood. Um, and as we have said many times, it is all done with an eye toward encouragement and hope for that sacred role and that divine responsibility you carry and for the, the precious gift of apprenticeship that you have as a beloved son or daughter. So mm-hmm. uh, we are very much looking forward to what we have uh, in 2023 in that regard with uh, more articles from Ben, more podcasts from us. Uh, and and new things to come. So um, if that is something that uh, you want to take advantage of, just know that that is there. And uh, we would be very honored to have you share in the journey with us in that way as a paid member. So, yep. um, so I guess, I guess that's it uh, for our podcast here today. Um, I want to thank you all for listening, for joining us in 2023 for this revolution that we're stepping out into. And I sure hope that the stories we've had to share have been a source of encouragement and hope for you in what we together hope is a profound year of journeying and apprenticing with Jesus. We are honored to have you and thank you for listening. 
So until next time, may God bless you and your family very much. Amen.